Hello friends and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. Alright, this week we are going to be taking a look at Star Wars Clone Wars, a pandemic system game, which mm. is an incredibly long drawn out title to basically say it's Star Wars Clone Wars, but it's based off pandemic. <laughs> That's even longer. <laughs> it's the ridiculous. And then we're also going to be reviewing Ten Penny Parks and then in our discussion topic, we're just going to keep trucking along with that top 100. And <laughs> it's going to be a while. Yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a minute. It's probably going to take us through like January. And then we're going to be doing uh numbers 70 through 61. Yep. But before we get into the reviews of the games, Natasha wanted to discuss some unlock games because she had an opportunity to play quite a few of them. So she wanted to kind of just chat about that. Yeah, I, so my son's been super into all of the Unlock games ever since I bought him the Unlock Kids. He's one wanting to play them all. And to be honest, it's not been fun because because he <laughs> can't figure out nothing. <laughs> so all he wants to do is cheat his way through the entire thing. Like he still has fun. Like pulling like it's fun even if he doesn't figure out the puzzle, it's fun to then pull out the next card and see what's next. Like he has so much fun with it and and it just drives me bonkers because i just want to play it and figure it out myself so how much grace do you give him like how much time do you give him to say okay we're gonna try to figure out this puzzle before we look at that card i if i think i know how to figure it out then i want to try to figure out sometimes my problem with some of the unlock games and especially the older ones although it's gotten better since i've been playing a lot of them so i think there's definitely a learning curve is i often don't know what to do i'm looking at the cards and i'm like I have no idea what I'm even supposed to do. I don't even know what puzzle I'm trying to figure out. So at that point, I I look in the rule book and I'm like, I look to see, or I do the hint on the app. Um, and I look to see like, okay, do I have all the stuff that I need? Like what puzzle am I trying to solve? And then I don't look at the answer to the puzzle in the, the, the rule book. I just look at how to, you know, what, how I'm trying to do it. And then I try to figure it out on my own. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, basically, if I don't know what I even need to do, but I try to spend a little bit of time. So like the exit games, usually, you know, the puzzle you're trying to figure out, you just have no idea how to do it. Like the unlock games, you're like looking at like six or eight cards and you're like, I have no idea what I'm trying to piece together here, you know, and so I'll cheat and look those up. But I've gotten better at doing them. Gotcha. Okay. They kind of have a little bit of a rhythm to it. I'm like, okay. And and oftentimes it's like something really dumb, like oh this this thing on the ground was shaped like the letter A, so you needed to take the A card. That that really bugs me. I don't feel guilty about cheating about those. How am I supposed to know that? <laughs> By looking at the card. <laughs> yeah, but it just looks like an object. Like they're like, and like, okay, yeah, I guess it's shaped like an A, but it's not a clear, obvious A. Like it's it's an object that's shaped like the letter A. You know? Isn't that the whole point of the unlock games is that you're supposed to piece together? That's the information you're supposed to piece together? Isn't that the whole point? No, there's all kinds of puzzles. They're they're not just finding information on cards. Oh. They're they're like puzzles and stuff and you and you use the app. And the app will do things like they'll be like maybe a machine that you've you found a card that has a machine on it. So then you open up the app and you use the machine. So maybe it's a puzzle that you're trying to solve or uh code you have to input from the clues on the cards and stuff gotcha okay okay so it's not just like it's not just searching for clues or cert- like a uh, hidden object type of search you know got it okay so there's a new one that just came out it's um based on board games it's based on ticket to ride mysterium and pandemic and i just played that one and um and i really really liked it it was a lot of fun so the tick- they're all based on the board game, very thematic, like the Ticket to Ride one. You're a reporter, and the guy who owned the train just died, and he's passing on his um, inheritance to these people, and there's a mystery you need to solve. So you have to go on this train ride. Like murder on the Orient Express kind of deal? Yeah, but not murder. It's okay. just to figure out what's going on. And you, you're a reporter, so they, your boss gives you a camera to take pictures, you know, to get a good story. So... You use your phone as a camera and you have to take pictures of all this stuff. And then if you take pictures of it, then you get more information. So that's really fun. I had the ticket to ride one was the easy one. Every box comes with an easy, medium and hard one. I like the easy ones the best. Obviously, right? That way you don't have to cheat as much. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. And so it was fun. And it had like this map that was like the ticket to ride map. It was really good. The Mysterium one you're going to try to solve. There's this ghost here that was murdered. And um, he's trying to communicate with you just like in the board game, you know, to give you clues to figure out who murdered, murdered him. So that one was pretty good. That was probably my least favorite one. Um, but I still enjoyed it. And then the pandemic one, there's a pandemic outbreak and you have to like find the vaccine or the cure and then pass the cure out. And, and you each get a um, a card, a, a roll card, just like in pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, the dispatcher and the medic and all that stuff. And the pandemic one was really good, actually. I think that one was my favorite. And that was the hardest one. But it was it was fun. I, I definitely recommend them. When I saw that Unlock came out with these specific three. I've been so close to picking them up because this would be the one that would get me to really want to try the unlock system again. Because I remember when all those games first came out, I bought an exit game and I bought an unlock game. And my wife and I did the exit game. And then the unlock game was the the squee and sausage one. Mm-hmm. So we started it, but then we were just like, eh, we're not going to do it. But for whatever reason, the... The board game one really intrigues me, and I think I want to try it. Yeah, I I definitely recommend trying the board game one. Unlock has gotten a lot better. I don't like a lot of the earlier stuff. I thought it was just really, really hard. Um, But I don't know how much that that is me playing them all and getting better at them. I'm sure that it has something to do with it. Obviously, the experience matters. The more you're going to do something, the the easier it is to like figure out the ebb and flow of things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they use a lot of the same system where you're putting two card numbers together, you know, to, to pick up another clue. Like you're going to put the pen and the paper together and you're going to write something, you know, like, or you're going to have a dark room and a flashlight. You put those two things together. Now you combine those two numbers and you'll get another card. It has a lot of that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's kind of fun because if you do the wrong thing, it'll t- give you like an error. No, you can't do that. That's dumb. This is, no. You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, it just flashes across your your cell phone screen. You're a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you get a card that's like no, and then you have to like. There's a penalty button you're supposed to hit in the app. Do you ever hit the penalty button? In yeah, the Max app always makes me hit the penalty button because <laughs> he rushes through it. Like he'll just combine all of them together, and I'm like, stop! That doesn't make sense. We're gonna get a penalty, and then he does it anyways. And then he, and I'm like, don't take. You know, it's fine. I just, I'd rather. One thing I do with the unlo- with the exit games now is I don't do the timer. The unlock forces you to do the timer because it runs the timer when you do the app, which yeah. is fine. It doesn't like bother you or anything. But like I don't like the pressure and the rush of trying to figure it out because then I feel like I need to cheat or like I like to take my time. I don't care how long it takes me. I don't care how many stars I get completing it. I just like to try to figure it out without cheating. You know what we should do? You and I should go do a an escape room. And just just the two of us, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to tell you right now, like, I'm not going to solve any of the puzzles. I'll let you solve them all, but I'll find all the stuff <laughs> and I'll just give it to you and let you do it. And then we'll talk about our experience about it. Yeah, that would be fun. The board game shenanigans escape room adventure. It, see, here's my problem. I think I've talked about this before. The escape room's like, OK, if you and I could do an escape room, just the two of us, nobody else, that would be super fun. But there's no way we'd get it done in an hour because usually you have to solve like all these puzzles. And so you have to do it as a group. So basically you split up and you each take on these a few different puzzles. Well, then you spend like 30 bucks to do like two or three puzzles. It's, I'd rather play the games. Exit, unlock. I have an idea about this and I think I okay. can make this work. So okay. off podcast, we're going to talk about it. So overall, rate your experience with the board game editions of Unlock. Best so far. I think they've been my favorite. I would definitely recommend them. If you're interested in, in trying the Unlock games, I'd start with that one. I thought they were a lot of fun. I thought the theme was made it really fun, you know, because they're board games and we all like board games. Bob, if you want to try them out, I would recommend that one and the kids. I think you should get the kid one and play that one with your daughter because the kid one is really good. What about the Star Wars one? That's the other one that's got me oh, intrigued. Yeah. That one's good too. It's very thematic. I liked right. that one. That one was my favorite until the board game one came out. All right. Well, maybe I'll try. Maybe I'll try it and I'll report back and see how we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not very good, but I also picked up the um, exit advent calendar. Did you really? Yeah. They were sold out at the game store in Grand Rapids, but the one in my town had one left. And um, when we went to sell my my old games, I was sold all my old unlock games because I don't need them anymore. And the unlock's nice because you don't destroy any components so you can resell them. And um, we picked up a new one and then we picked up the advent calendar. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. 
I'm I'm curious about that advent calendar. I'm curious how it ends up play, like playing out. So obviously it's like we won't be able to like review it until after you know it the time before it is done. But it would be kind of mm-hmm. it would be interesting to run through that. But. It seems like something they're doing every year because they did one last year and they're doing one this year. So maybe it'll be an annual thing. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get into let's get into the reviews. Uh, first up, I wanted to talk about Star Wars: The Clone Wars. This is a cooperative game based on the Pandemic system, designed by Alexander Ortloff, art by Atha Kananai, published by Z-Man Games. In this game, players are going to be taking on the role of Jedi Knights fighting against the Separatist armies. First of all, this game is a Pandemic system game, so it follows some very key concepts of how Pandemic system of how the Pandemic system flows, but definitely feels unique. So in order to set up the game, players will have to pick one of the four main villains that you get in the box, Asajj Ventress, Count Dooku, Darth Maul, and General Grievous. Each villain could have their own unique type of setup as well. Next, you're going to invade planets, which is very similar to Pandemic, where you draw cards from the invasion deck and seed the board with droids, just like disease cubes. Then you pick a Jedi to play. You shuffle and prepare the squad deck. And then to determine how hard the game is, you build a mission deck. This is one of the key differences in this game. You do not have epidemic cards in the player deck. Instead, these cards are going to be found in the individual villain decks. So to adjust the difficulty, you're actually going to be picking a number of missions you need to accomplish before you're going to defeat the villain. So on a player's turn, they will do one of four actions. Fly, which moves them around the board. Reinforce, which lets you draw squad cards, which is another difference in this game. You are not going to be drawing cards at the end of your turn If you want cards, you're going to need to use actions to draw them. You can attack, which lets you remove droids, blockades, or potentially the villain from the board. And lastly, you can attempt a mission. Each mission has a success number you are trying to achieve, and they will relate to the four different types of cards that are located in the squad deck. After a player finishes their turn, they'll draw a card from the villain deck, which is where the escalation card is found. And then finally, you're going to invade planets. If you ever need to place a fourth droid on a planet, instead you add a blockade and increase the threat track, which is like the outbreak track, except uh, you do not add droids to the connecting planets. If you complete all the missions, you then move into the finale, which flips the villain card and now gives you what you need to accomplish to win the game. I think what makes this game fun is how they've been able to take the popular Clone Wars theme and adapt it to the pandemic system. This does not feel like a cash grab. Normally in these types of situations, it kind of feels like that where they've like taken a game like a successful game like Pandemic and slapped this popular theme on it. It gives you the a, a familiar feel of Pandemic, but still makes it fresh and interesting. Yeah. I. What, okay. What do you call this style of game? Like where, where it's cooperative, you're all working together to... Satisfy a mission like Pandemic. Uh, what's the other one? That fire board game. You know, which one are you trying to put out a fire? You're all trying to put the house. Oh, in the, the house? house? The house is on fire trying to put it out. That style and like maybe Spirit Island, like those style of games. What do you call You call them cooperative games. Just because I know because cooperative games are different. They're like because I like. Flashpoint Fire Rescue is what you're talking about, right? Yes. Okay. So I like. I didn't think I liked cooperative style games because I don't like the that style game where we all have open information. We're all trying to work together to complete this one goal. But I do like cooperative games. Like I love the crew and I love other like real time cooperative games. I just don't like this style game. So what's this style? I don't Is there know. A name That's, for it? I don't think there's an actual name for this style. Like. If you said pandemic I would even put, style, like, dungeon crawls into this style. Where, like you're all working together to fight a villain or or a mission or complete a goal. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that just follows like the main cooperative like genre, right? It uh, yeah. I don't think there's a specific name for these style of games. It's just I mean, a cooperative in cooperative style games, that's what you have. You have this open information okay. and I don't like the, that st- the style of game. My point is, I'm making a point with this. Yeah, I'm curious what it is now. <laughs> I don't typically like this style of game. I thought I find it really um, either where I'm like trying to tell everybody what to do or which I don't want to do, or I'm not trying to tell everybody what to do and I'm watching them make stupid decisions, you know? Sure. Or, or they, it's just really comes down to the luck of the draw with what cards come up. So I find them really just not really interesting, but of all the style of games, let me say that I liked this game quite a bit. 
I was surprised how much I liked it. That was what my point I was trying to get to. Yeah, it took you it took you like three minutes, but we got there. We did it. We did it. We did it. <laughs> it um when we set up to play this game, I was actually kind of surprised that you were willing to play it. Because normally I'm like, this is not a game Natasha wants anything to do with. No. It's it's Star Wars themed, first of all. Mm-hmm. Because in you you're you don't care that much about Star Wars. No. You're not, you know, you're not a fan. Um, it it follows a pandemic system of cooperation where the game's gonna escalate itself and you know, flipping cards and then like something bad's gonna happen. You don't know what it is, it eventually just happens. Yep. So when you were like, Yeah, I'll play this, I was like, All right, I mean I found I found pandemic to be a little sterile. Um just kind of flip the card, add a cube, play this card, remove a cube, you know, that type of thing. Technically it's like technically it's not sterile because diseases are breaking out. I mean hi (laughs) oh I like the legacy pandemic legacy a lot, but that's because the legacy made it so fun. But this game, okay, I like the actions are different. Um I like that you have to spend an action to draw a card. You know, movement's super straightforward, but you can um, spend one action and attack all of the guys on your, um, all of the guys in your planet, which is cool. Yep. And then you use the way that you use the cards you have in your hand to add reinforcements. I love that. So you are rolling a die to do a, an attack, but you um, can then also supplement your die roll with cards you have in your hand, and you tap them. So you don't spend them; you just. Um, exhaust them for the turn, which I think is really, really fun. But then if you take damage, you have to lose cards. I thought the whole system was really good. I loved the villain system because each time you play, you pick a villain. They have their own deck, and that's what kind of seeds the board with all the droids, is each time it, it ends somebody's turn, you flip over a villain card. And like you also have to kill the villain throughout the game because he comes comes popping back. And if the villain was on the board, then all those cards are worse every time a villain card gets flipped over and there's a villain on the board you know he he makes it worse so you want to try to kill that villain right away so i liked that where you wanted to you had to take care of the droids so they don't get overwhelmed but you have to also take care of the villain but then you have to focus on the mission i don't know i thought it was really really fun i it was i think is the best version of pandemic i don't know if i would say this is the best version of pandemic for me but it is definitely up there i think my favorite version of pandemic is pandemic iberia which Mm is I think it's I think that game is really good and I really I think that's my favorite pandemic iteration I would put this and the thing is I love pandemic and my wife and I have played pandemic so much and we still bust it out and we still play it this for me is right up there I don't know if my wife and I will play this just be based on the fact that it's a Star Wars theme but it feels incredibly similar like I don't know how else I can stress how similar it feels to the pandemic system when we yeah. were being taught the game, I was like, okay, like pandemic. Yeah. Okay, like pandemic. But it just happened in different spots, right? So yeah. the main thing is the escalation card. So you have your player deck, which is the squad cards. There's only four kinds of cards. That's it. There's four kinds of cards. There's like attack, um, stealth, which also equates to attack. There's flight. And then there's like defense. Those are the four cards. And then you get some of those special cards that you can do stuff like fly around the board, things like that. So it still feels similar. But the escalation card's now in the villain deck. Yeah. So when that card gets flipped, that's what does the the outbreaker, you know, the epidemic card. When you are gonna place your fourth droid, you don't like outbreak out, you add a blockade. Well, now you can't complete a mission on that planet unless you take care of the blockade. They've taken this t- pandemic system and tweaked it enough. It feels unique, but still feels like a game you're familiar with. I would say, I would compare, like, I would say it's like Pandemic in the same way that you would put all drafting games in a category, right? This is like, you've got like a a worker placement game, a a, a drafting game. This is a Pandemic style game. Like, I think it's it's a style of game now, but it's still so different, but recognizable, right? Once you play a drafting game, you know how it works. Once you play a Pandemic game, you're going to know how this works, but it's a very different game still. I don't know. It's got pandemic in the title, so you know Matt Leacock's getting a cut. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he's get, he's getting his he's getting his royalties. It it feels like its own game. It just has some yes. of those same familiar, um, familiar mechanics of a pandemic style game. And if you if you're a fan of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, the animated series, there's a lot of things that goes on in this game that you're just like, yes, like it just it 
reinforces that theme throughout the gameplay. And Mm -hmm. one of the things I mentioned is this is not a cash grab. Normally you see something like this and you're like, all right, they're just trying to like piggyback off the success of the Clone Wars animated series and just trying to make some quick money. Like you've seen it a lot with like Lord of the Rings games. They'll make Mm -hmm. a Lord of the Rings, some sort of Lord of the Rings game. And it just, it's God awful. No, this game is good. Yeah, it's good. And it belongs on the shelf at Target because it's approachable. I think a lot of people who are into board games would love this game because they could play cooperatively that they would get into the theme. It's simple enough, but it, but it's still like kind of got enough puzzliness with the cards and stuff that makes it a lot of fun and challenging. I really liked it. I'm going to say this before we get into our ratings of it. The last game I played of this was the three player game and two of the three players. I can never get to play co-ops. You are one (laughs) of them. Like you're very much like, is it cooperative? And no, I'm all good. And the other one is Chris. Chris is not a fan of cooperative games. Mm -hmm. He's like me. He doesn't like sitting there. He's like, I don't like being bossy, but I can't help you. I'm not going to let you make a bad move when there's an obvious better move out there. Right. Yeah. So I played it with you two and you guys both really enjoyed it. You know, Mm -hmm. Chris actually taught the game to us. It was cool to be able to sit down with two people who normally don't like pandemic or cooperative style games and be able to play this game. Yeah. I think if, if I were to rate it on its like, okay, like let's say I take um like not on my normal scale of board game ratings, but on like my scale of of the this style game. If I were to rate it compared only to this style game, not compared to other games I love, I would yep. give it a ten. That's how much I like it. It's the best out of all the games of this okay. style. So I'm debating what to rate it. Um, I'm trying to think if, if that game were compared to like one of my other favorite games that I that I um, would play. And I'm thinking it would probably be like a seven and a half. Okay. Which is That's, still a game I really like. Yeah, it's a solid, solid game. I'm I'm giving it an eight. I really liked it. I think uh, for me, I've played these games enough. I need the difficulty to be harder. But it's also hard to play a more difficult game with players who aren't necessarily familiar with it. I really liked it. I think it's good. I want to explore it more. My rating might actually go up the more I play it. I don't know if it's going to be my favorite pandemic-style game just because I don't know if my wife will care that much to play it. Mm-hmm. I'm actually interested in playing it with her just to see if she if she enjoys it compared to something like Pandemic Iberia or just even the regular base Pandemic. What do you give the regular pay- base pandemic? I get, I have it at an eight as well. Yep. Okay. So yep. I think I would rate that one like a six. So that's how much more I like this one. Now, um, pandemic legacy, I do rate a ten because I just love the legacy part of it. I, I have fun with that. Yeah, the pandemic legacy is kind of in its own kind of thing. I will say, like pandemic, to give you a reference, pandemic Iberia, I give a nine. So I really like Pandemic Iberia. I I like it better as it's my favorite version. So it does it does some unique things that I really like. I was gonna tell you also since um since we were gonna play the Unlock Pandemic game, I wanted my I wanted to teach my son Pandemic because he's never played it before we played the Unlock one. So we had some kind of reference to it. Mm-hmm. So I got out Pandemic Legacy Season Zero because I hadn't finished it. And I was like, well, let's play this. I've got it. I want to finish it. We were in the month of May, so I set it all up and. It's kind of a beast because I had to relearn everything. And when you relearn it in like the middle of the game, you've got all those extra rules that are added on. Yep. It, it'd be easier to just to start from the beginning, but you can't. But anyways, I start. I did figure it out. We've been losing. We actually lost four games in a row. I'm sure it has to do with like us not remember me not remembering the rules and stuff. But anyways, it's still I'm like, yeah, I really like this. This is season zero, the one that everyone likes the least. And I'm still having so much fun. Like, Ripping up cards, adding stickers, like scratch. Season zero scratch is off. the least liked. I think so. I don't know. I thought it was no, season no, not season two. zero. I'm sorry, not season zero. I'm playing season two. Oh yeah, okay. Season that two. makes a big that makes a big difference. Season two is yeah, because it yeah yeah because you have the you have to like go and find stuff and yeah. It's the one where the map starts off with like nothing, and you're yep. you're building out the map. So that that's cool. And anyways, it's been really really fun. But but here's a downside with pandemic. It's a beast to set up like every game, like I will get my kids to play it and then I'm like, okay, let's play it again. They're like, sure. And I spent like 10, 15 minutes cleaning up the last game and then setting up for the next game. 
you know, and they get bored of that and then they end up walking away. So pandemic, like even not the legacy version, just setting up a regular game of pandemic is a lot more work because you've got to create that deck, the player deck with the epidemic cards. Yeah. And you guys see the board and stuff like that. It, um, I have a unique experience because my, again, I, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but my wife and I have played it so much that when we sit down and play it, we both have our own things that we do. Like she seeds the board and does all that. And then I take care of the player decks. So we, for the most part, we're just setting, we just go into this routine of setting it up. And by, it doesn't take us very long just because mm-hmm. we're so efficient at it. Well, at that this must point. be nice. It is kind of nice. Let me tell you. My kids can't even sit and play a game in between our turns. They, they get up and they're like going petting with the cat going and doing this. I'm like, sit down and pay attention to the game. It's a co-op. It's just like how you play games. You're always just up and about. You're just like, come on, t- come on, take your turn, take your turn, take your turn, take your turn. Yeah. They get the like... impatientness from you. <laughs> Maybe they do. Yeah. Well, that I would definitely recommend giving this game a try. If you if you like co-ops, if you really like the Star Wars, the Clone Wars series, if you like pandemic style games, I really think this is a good one to check out. Mm-hmm. That is Star Wars, the Clone Wars, a pandemic system game. <laughs> Just Star Wars Clone Wars. That's fine. It, that's really what I want to say. But like, I mean, I guess the title's ridiculous. All right. Next up, I want to talk about Ten Penny Parks. This is designed by uh, Nate Linhart. And the art is by Vincent Dutre. It's published by Thunderworks Games. This is a worker placement polyomino tile laying game. In this game, players are trying to build the best theme park. They want to build rides that will move them up the thrill, joy, and awe track. So this is a worker placement game. So on your turn, you're going to use your workers to do a various action. The main one, ones are going to be um, put, placing your workers out and, and building um, the, the roller coaster that is on the top of that deck. So you put it in front of the deck and whatever is on the top, you get to build that. Um, and then the other things you can do is you can go to a spot just to get $2. You can build a concession stand. You can expand your park, which gives you an expansion to your board. Or you can cut down trees. So each of the boards comes with all these little trees on them. So you have to cut them down in order to build your parks. Or you can build your, um, in order to build your attractions. Or you can build your attractions around the part, the trees. If you can kind of finagle it, then you don't have to waste your turn trying to chop down trees. What makes this game really delightful is the artwork. It's just gorgeous. I love Vincent Dutre. It's beautiful. Um, it's the polyamino pieces are really cool because they're all different sizes. They're not traditional polyamino game. It doesn't feel like one because you're not trying to put them all together. You have to have room between all of your attractions for people to walk around. So you end up like a, it ends up looking more like a theme park than like say patchwork where you've got it all tight knit together. And I, and I like that part of it. Um, the, the thing I don't love about it is, is that money's so super tight so there's one ride that gives you income and then the concessions can give you income. Everyone gets three income at the start of the turn and there's only five uh, rounds in the game. So you end up being really short on money. So you, you want to build the attractions, which costs a lot of money, but then you want to save your money at the end of the your, the round because you want to um, advertise and that gives you victory points. So it ends up being kind of a little too tight and I think the tightness is what takes away from a lot of the fun of the game. I agree that the game is extremely tight as far as the money is concerned. You need to make sure you're gaining income in the beginning of the game in order to sustain the rest of the game. One of the things you can do within a round is you can advertise your attractions. Well, that costs money to get you victory points. So you need to make sure you have money for that, but it also costs money to build some of the attractions. So the yes, the game is extremely tight when it comes to money. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what provides the tension in the game for me is, all right, do I buy this attraction because it's going to sit on my board? It's going to give me these points at the end of the game, but I can also advertise. I probably won't be able to advertise this round, but maybe next round I can advertise for it and get those points. That's where it provides attention. Like, how do you use, how do you spend your money? That yeah. if it if you just had unlimited money, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a very uh tight game. It wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't feel any sort of tension. Mm-hmm. Especially when there's only one attraction you can afford and somebody takes it. Well now you have to pivot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like the um there's a lot of tension with the 
specific tile shapes you want because you don't really want to waste to turn chopping down trees. So you want to get that one tile that fits in between those trees exactly. And everyone's board is different. So you want to go to that one spot. So there's a lot of tension with that. I think you could focus. So you could go down the money path and get a lot of money and then use the few rides you have to like make ads and then make victory points that way. Or you could maybe try to ignore money and just build as many rides as you can afford and try to go up those thrill tracks, the thrill, joy, and awe track, because you get a lot of points if you make it to the end of one of those. You can, yeah. It can be worth quite a few points. It's a fairly low scoring game too, so a little bit of points goes a long way. It can be, yeah. I will say the polyomino piece makes you think different, because you're trained from these types of polyomino games to create a tight-knit group of these tiles like you're you're trying to connect them in such a way that you can you know just you can fit fill up your entire board you have to think differently in this game because pieces can't actually touch they can be like diagonal to each other but one side of one piece cannot touch the side of another piece like mm-hmm. it just can't so you're trying to organize your park in a way but you start putting things down you have trees blocking your way so now you're trying to create a situation where you're as open as you possibly can to put attractions down while still covering up these special bonus spots. And you yep. don't, and yes, going to cut down trees does kind of suck because you only have like three workers. So it feels like a waste of an action. But sometimes you need to do that just so you can open up some space in your park. Mm-hmm. Now, I know I complain about being tight, but I still really like the game because I like polyomino. I like worker placement. I love the artwork. I like the theme. I like the length of the game is perfect for what it is. It's a fairly, you know, I'd say light to midweight Euro style game. So I still liked it quite a bit. I just wish that I could have had more and had more money to like do all my advertisements. So you have to go in knowing like your money is going to be really tight. Like you can, you, you can work on getting more money early on, you know, get the, getting those attractions. But there's only one stack of cards that gives you those attractions that give out income. So only one person's going to get it. You can go to the concession zone and get income that way. So there's other ways to do it, but it, it does feel really tight. I do want to note that when you when you're climbing those three tracks, one of the tracks in particular, whoever's in head has an option. You can either claim victory points or you can get some sort of benefit. You can take first player marker. You can get an additional worker, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Now, I was in a position where I got the additional worker because you can't, you don't get it the first round. So there's four potential rounds you can have the additional worker. I had it for three rounds. So I had an additional action on the last three rounds and mm-hmm. I did not win. Yeah. And I think a game that does that, like, yes, it can help you, but it doesn't necessarily mean getting that additional action is going to make you win. It's like Sky Mines that we reviewed, you know, mm-hmm. last week. You can get these additional action spots, but that doesn't mean you're going to get to be able to do more. Yeah. It doesn't mean doing more means you're going to get more points. Yeah, I like the way those tracks work. So at the end of every round, who's ever in first place can either take a victory point or they can go back one step on the track and get that special power, the special act, special worker first place or money, which is huge. So you guys would consistently go back. Well, I never went back and I was finally first place in the end. And I still just took the victory point and finally crossed. I think I was the only one that crossed over one of those lines. You got five points, which was huge. And that probably is what won me the game. Well, and I, I needed to cross one of the boundaries to meet. You get like special, you get end game scoring cards in the beginning. And I needed to cross one of the boundaries in order to score points. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to do it. And partly because I was going backwards because I wanted that special benefit. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool. I, li- I did like that a lot, actually, those tracks. And if you were second place, you get a victory point, which, like I said, victory points, yeah, I think it was like, they're pretty low, like 40, 50. So one or two victory points. And if you could do that, you know, five rounds of the game, you can get five of those that way. Just each one. If you can get second place in a couple, that's, you know, even more. Yeah, you can score you can score some decent amount of points. I do also like the fact that they had like a carnival tent in the center, like a big top. Yeah. And what it does is it it creates a the market, it adjusts how much everything costs. So if you're first player, you get to rotate it to whatever you want. So there's a minus two, minus one, zero, zero, plus one, plus two. Mm-hmm. So you can make something cost an additional two, you can make something cost, you know, minus two. So I really like the fact that you can manipulate that a little bit and twist it around and say, all right, now this one attraction's 
you know, cost more, cost less, that kind of thing. I do enjoy yeah. that too. And just the fact that it's, you build it and it stands up and it's three dimensional. It just adds to the overall aesthetic of the game with the Vincent Dutrade artwork. It just, it, it looks so good. Yeah. I would say this is a great family wake style game. I think what it plays about in an hour or less turns are quick. This would be a great game for families. You know, it's just a, it's just a little tight with money that that's what makes it not my favorite polyomino style game or um, maybe theme park style game, but I still really enjoyed it quite a bit. I'd still recommend it. What are you going to rate it? I'm going to rate it a seven. I liked it quite a bit. I'm giving it an eight. I actually enjoyed it um, quite a bit myself. So I think to I think I've turned a corner a little bit on ratings and starting to rate things higher than I normally would. I'm not as like scrutinizing things. I'm more willing to give out tens. And I think six months ago I would have given this game like a seven, seven and a half. But I really enjoyed it and I want to play it more and I want to keep it in my collection. So I think it deserves wow, an eight. Being all optimistic. I know. Like I'm turning the corner. Like I'm down to play some rolling rights. I'm gonna do some unlocked games, some exit style games. Oh man, I must be sick. I should take my temperature or something. Something <laughs> right. Something. Right. I don't know. You don't. Want, you don't want to go that far. Logic puzzles. <laughs> I don't know about that. Let's just let's calm down real quick. Like let's not get ahead of ourselves. All right, that's ten penny parks, and I definitely recommend this for families. If you like uh, light to midweight games like this, beautiful artwork, nice theme. Um, ten penny parks. Check it out. For this week's recommends, I'm going to recommend the book we just read for book club. And that is a throwback to the OG, The Crystal Shard by R.A. Salvatore, which is the first book he wrote with Drist the Drow Ranger. I don't think I know what any of those words mean. It, I'm sure it completely flew over your head. So this, so (laughs) R.A. Salvatore created this most, one of the more iconic D&D characters in this Drow Ranger Drist. And everyone says Drizzit, but I don't think there's an extra I. I'm going to say Drist, and it's probably wrong. I don't care. You can't pronounce D&D names. They're awful. We we decided to read this book for book club just because it was one of those books that it was, I think it was written in the early 80s. So I remember reading these books when I was in high school, middle school. So it was just kind of nice to do a throwback to it. And I, I think it still stands the test of time. It was still a cool adventure. It was still it was still fun to be able to like remember the interactions he had with, you know, Regis the Halfling, uh Wolfgar the Barbarian, just how everything kind of got put together. I really like this book. I think if you've read those in the past and you haven't haven't gone back to them, I would say take a step back down memory lane, give that book another shot. I I enjoyed reading it again. I'll probably end up reading more of the series again, at least the Icewind Dale series. I'm probably going to finish up that series just because it it gives me that nostalgia of when I was a kid in high school reading all about Drist and all that stuff. So I thought it was good. So sometimes you got to just take a ride down memory lane and reread some of them books. I think I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> That's a hard no. A I don't think no. you I don't think you'd like it. No, but the I don't people think who, I can get through the first page. I don't even think I can get through the title. Well, and the thing is, there's so many brand new D&D players that I know one of my employees, she is a newer employee. She's a newer D&D player. And I remember asking her about, it, do you know who Drist is? And she's like, no, I don't. And he is probably one of the most iconic characters from, you know, the 80s and 90s. I mean, R.A. Salvatore is still writing stuff about him, if I remember correctly. There's just so many different books that he's written about this character. Like he wrote the Icewind Dale trilogy and then he went and then wrote the prequel. Because if you understand anything about Drow, you know they come from right. the Underdark. And they and they don't like to come out of the Underdark. So why right. did Driss come out of the Underdark and go to this? Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, man. I could. I, you know what? I should start a spinoff podcast and just do D&D stuff. Yeah, that's what I should do. Uh, you, you've got other friends. You could do that. I, yeah, I'll call like yeah, I'll call some of my buddies and we'll do it. But mm-hmm. yeah, either way, I uh, the Crystal Shard. We I got a chance to reread it uh, this past uh, last week, and I really I really enjoyed getting back to it. So that is my recommends for this week. All right, uh, let's take a break here, and then we'll come back and do number seventy through sixty one of our top one hundred games.
All right, welcome back. We are going to be getting into the board game shenanigans top 100 games of all time, number 70 through 61. Uh, we've talked, we've already mentioned it a couple times about how we came up with this list, but I'm just going to give you a quick background. Natasha and I both did um, basically a top 150. And then what Natasha did is she took the list, compiled them, gave them points based on where they were rated. So a uh, game at one got like 99 points. You know, a game at 150 got negative points. She added them together and she created this list. So now it's the board game shenanigans top 100 games of all time. It gives us an opportunity to represent games that we both like, games that I just like, games that just Natasha likes. Yeah. So, and I am unfamiliar with what the lists are. This was all Natasha's gig. She she grabbed the reins on it. So if you have any like qualms about how it happened or how she did it. It's very scientific. She did it, not me. So uh, yell at her, no not me. No errors in it. That's for zero, sure. zero errors. So... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let's, let's just get right into it. You want to normally your is this like a Bob heavy list? Is it a Natasha heavy list? Is it a Ooh, combined it's pretty equal. So there's three games that are your games, three games that are my games that I love the best. And then the rest of them are, we are both on our top 100. Nice. All right, let's do this. All right. Started us off is a roll and write, and it's actually on Bob's top 100. It's his number 94. Bob, can you guess what it is? My 53. 94. So it's 90. one of your favorite. Oh, welcome to, welcome to. Ro- Oh, no, no, that's got to be up higher. Yeah, I was going to say, that's my favorite rolling, right? So if that's not it, then I it's got to be something different. Hadrian's Wall. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hadrian's Wall, you like that one. I have a hard time calling this a rolling, right? Even though it is, but it is brain burning as all get out. Two pages, it's a good one. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a beast to learn, but once you do, it is fun. I, I just like the, you would you have to spend like, I mean, you spend like a solid few minutes on each of your turns. Everybody does, so it's fine, you know. And like trying to make the best out of what meeples you got. So it's, it's kind of a resource management game where you go here, you get this type of worker, and then you can spend this worker. Oh, but you need a purple worker to do that. So how can I get a purple worker? And you try to set it all up. It's very puzzly, very meaty, very crunchy, very heavy. Rolling right, but no rolling. This is how a turn goes. All right, I have these four workers. They're yellow blue and i need a purple all right how am i going to do this okay so if i take this yellow person here and i do that that's going to convert it to uh you know a red and then if i take the red i'm going to put it over here and that's going to give me another blue and then i need two blue in order to go down here to advance on this thing which is going to give me three yellow and then i'm going to take my four yellow and i'm going to advance on this wall six times and then once i advance on the wall six times it's going to give me another red which allows me to go up here (laughs) and gives me that purple worker That's how this game feels. And I, I don't know if like those colors are accurate, but that's how this game feels. It's a very accurate theme. Like if, if that sounds fun to you, you'll like this game. If it does not, you won't. <laughs> For me, it, I cannot play like multiple, multiple games in a row of this just because of how brain burning it can be. Because you're always searching for that one thing. Mm-hmm. You need this one thing. Where is it? It's on here. But it's two pages and it's not like a clear defined like two pages. There's artwork behind it. So you're always like you're always searching and you'll find it. Uh-huh. You just got to you just got to you got to look deep. You got to find there's it. There's all it's these there. little mini games, too, that you're playing. Yes. And it, yeah. like, there's some that I haven't even touched because I'm like, that seems confusing. I'll just work on the other ones instead. Yeah. Stick with <laughs> the easy ones to start. Like the very first I remember the very first play. Jeremy's like, all right, we're going to I'm going to discuss gladiators. It's really confusing. And I was like. This is the thing I'm going to go for. Why? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm a dummy. And I was like, sure, let, I'm going to go for gladiators. And then your gladiators fight. And if they lose, you're done. And I like lost in the very beginning and I didn't have gladiators anymore. So I just like sunk a bunch of resources <laughs> into something that just doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was funny. <laughs> it, it was definitely something. But yeah, I really, yeah, I like this game for sure. All right. That's our number seven, Hadrian's Well. Number 69, um, I have not played, it's Bob's 41, Eclipse. I remember this game when it first came out. It was when I first got into board gaming, and it was hot. And I never played it because, I I don't know, I guess our people I was playing with didn't play it. But you okay. like it, huh? Yes, I think you need to play this game. I think okay. if there was a game that you would like, I think this is going to be right up there. I think because it has a lot of Euro mechanics when it comes to actions and acquiring things to upgrade your ships like yes 
it very much follows that, you know, 4X style game, you know, expand, exploit, um, exterminate, exterminate, explore, explore. It follows the the four X's. Nobody ever gets the four X's right off the gate. Like, I don't think there's anyone's like, yeah, it's these four. But anyway, it very much follows that pattern. But the way in which you go about doing things feels very Euro-y hmm. with That's how you're place- yeah, playing discs out on the board in order to, like, generate more actions and different things. Like, I, I think I think this game would be right in your wheelhouse. I think you would like it. Okay. The pr- The problem is getting it played because it is a long game. I've been meaning to bring this up that you need to play this game. And I think at some point, I think soon we need to play this game because I think you would like it. I think I think it would have struggled with it had I played it early on my board gaming because it seems a little intimidating. Yeah, it can be. But the the and I don't have the I haven't played the new new version, the uh, second dawn or whatever. I haven't played that. I just have the original version. Mm-hmm. I really like it. And I think I think of all these kinds of. Amerithrashy games. I think this one would click the best for you because of the Euro feel that it has. Yeah, I'd definitely give it a try because, yeah, I think I would like it. That's our number 69, Eclipse. All right, number 68 is another one of Bob's favorites. I have not played it either. It's his number 40, and that's Anachrony. Oh, yeah. I lo- I really like this game. It's, I would like um, to try this one too, actually. It's worker placement time traveling game. and yeah, I love time travel. It's. I think it does time travel the best out of all the time travel games I've played, which isn't that many. But worker placement, so you take your workers, you're placing them out, but you can't just place your workers out. You have to power up your mech suits because the landscape has basically been destroyed and you know that this event's going to happen that ends up destroying the entire planet. So you're trying to accomplish a bunch of things and then get off the planet before it happens. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is you can say, hey... I need these resources from your future self. But if you don't pay it back, you can create anomalies and anomalies are bad. So it has a, it, it's a very, it has a lot of working pieces for the game. And I think I just like how it all kind of comes together. And I think it does time travel the best. I don't think you necessarily always have to go and get resources from your future self if you don't want to. But sometimes you do need stuff in order to do the actions you want to do. And it has a little bit of pre-planning because you are you have to power up your mech suits before you're going out. So you may power up four suits but not use four suits. Well, if you do that, then you've just wasted resources to power these suits. Oh, that stressed me out. Yeah. I don't know if... You, I think you would like it, but there's a... It sounds like I would like it if I played it multiple times because yes. I would probably screw it up and waste my turn to do horrible the first time. So if you're willing to play it multiple times with me... Then it would be worth Oh, playing. for sure. I would love to. This game is awesome. I just, it's one of those things that it's a mind clash game. I think it's going to be a bear to teach people and it's probably going to be a little bit on the longer side of things too. It's not going to be an hour long game. It's probably going to be at least a couple hours. Yeah, that's so. going to be tough to get multiple plays of it in then. It'll just spend a day, uh, like a Saturday playing Anachrony all day. That's what we'll do. That would be fun actually. <laughs> I'd be, yeah, I love playing games multiple times. So. All right. That's our number 68, Anachrony. Number 67 is my favorite. It's number 21 for me, but Bob dislikes it so much it brought it way down. <laughs> 162. I don't think he might have disliked a game more than this, but not by much. Um, that's Calico. Bob, you were wrong. <laughs> it's Calico. Yeah, I don't like Calico. I just, uh, yeah, there's just too many things. No, it's so manage. good. I, I love it. I played I it again yeah. recently, and I, I no. just love it. I love the puzzliness of it. I like that it's quick. You know, it it, it is tight. You're not going to get everything you want, but you can get at least a few things done, and it's fun, and it's gorgeous. It's produced nice. The board is so nice, how the, all the pieces fit in it, like a like a jigsaw, like a little kid's jigsaw puzzle. just fits in there perfect. So you Yeah, like one of those like 12-piece jigsaw puzzles or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really, really like it. Production wise, it's pretty sweet, but it just doesn't click with me. I just don't like it. Oh, it's such a great game. I like the style game, and I um actually just got the new Verdant. So they did Cascadia, Calico, and now the third one is Verdant, and it's very similar to Calico. I like it quite a bit. Have you I'll played it already? Play it. Yep, I played it this weekend. All right, all right, I'll give it a go. So I'll make you play I, it. It's it's um. You don't have to make me play it. I'll play it. <laughs> I might not want to like 
play it, but I'll play it. It feels like Cascadia because it's you you're taking two things at once, you know, two combos at once, but it feels like has Calico because you want to make this perfect puzzle and you can't. You just because it just doesn't it's got this giant deck of cards. Especially at two, I think I think at two is a little bit tougher because the, you don't get as many cards that come out, so the market doesn't get refreshed as often. Um so we'll play it on game night. We could probably play it four, it'd probably be even better. All right, yeah, I'll I'll give it a go. I don't Calico just does didn't click. Like you had shapes, then you had colors, and then yeah, it just didn't work for me. I like Cascadia better. I assume Cascadia is going to be higher up on the list because you love Cascadia, mm-hmm. and I like it better than Calico. But even then, I was like, it was fine. It was for me, it was fine. People we'll seem to love the game. Yeah, bit. I was going to say it's probably going to be up. It's probably going to be on another list. But all right, that's number sixty-seven. Calico, great game. Old people will love it's it. Fine. <laughs> even if Bob doesn't. Because it's fine. Cats. <laughs> All right. Number 66, Nemesis. Yes. This oh. comes in at 39 for Bob. I have not played this one. I don't know if you'll ever want to play. I don't think I ever will. Yeah, I don't think you will. <laughs> Even though it has a sci-fi theme. This is Aliens the board game, basically. Awaken Realms. It was my first experience with Awaken Realms stuff. It might be the only Awaken Realms game that's on the list because I haven't completed the my is campaign this- of Tainted Grail. So Is this co-op? It semi co-op, so Ugh. you each. I do have remember your... you guys when you guys got it in, you playing it. I remember seeing it. Yeah, it was a pretty big, big game. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's Aliens the board game. You wake up it on looked, a ship. It looked really cool. It totally looked like something I wouldn't like. <laughs> it's so Marathrashy. Yeah, you wake up on a ship. You have no idea why you're on the ship. You have these personal objective cards. You go around. You make noise. You go to these different spots to like gain gear, and then you. Uh, you attract intruders, a.k.a. the aliens, and you have to sometimes fight them. Sometimes you can't fight them. And everyone has like an objective they're trying to essentially reach. You know, it's yeah. If you like aliens, the board game, if you want aliens, the board game, this is it. <laughs> this is the game. So it's I, I really I really like it. But it's to get a group to play it is tough. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't have. Email me if you if want to play have, it. You know what? I wonder if they have it in the Dice Tower Cruise because Phil's going to be there and he he likes that game too. God, I hope it better be. Me and him you are going to play, play it. it there. You should play it with us. Nah, I'm good. I'll play some. It's going to be on the cruise. Like all you have, all you're going to be doing is playing games. Yeah, no, I'll play good ones. I'll play Castles of Mad King Louis D- Deluxe, and you can play Nemesis. Done. Yeah, you go ahead. You do you. <laughs> all right, that's our number sixty six Nemesis. So number 65 is well-liked by both of us. I like it a little bit more. It comes in at 50 for me, 92 for Bob. That's so clover. I love this game. I love word games. I play this one all the time. It, use, it plays three to six, but I play it just to play it with my son, and it's just fine. I think that's the reason why it's so low for me is that I've played it at higher player counts, and sometimes people just take over. So you don't feel like you're accomplishing as much. I think if I played it at lower player counts, I might like it more. Yeah, yes. yeah, because somebody grabs it and then somebody's grabbing it. Yeah, it's supposed, you're supposed to be working together, but you can kind of be left out. Yes, 100%. So sometimes it can be hard to be heard when there's four other, five other people scrambling to try to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So because you, so you, if you play it at six, then you've got five people trying to figure out this one person's puzzle. I don't know why it says three to three up because you can just play two player you each do your own and then you just swap and watch each other do it you just have to work by yourself without any help it's yeah. fun yep. i really like it that's so clover a fun little word game all right um number 64 is uh we both like this game it's not on your top 100 though but it comes in at number 40 for me and that's the quacks of quedlinburg it's, it's not a, on my top it's not on my top 100 it's one thirteen. So just I was gonna say it. it's right out of the right out of the right out of it. Yeah. Yeah, you right. still like it. It's not in the six one sixties. One sixties, one fifties, one sixties means it would have never touched his top one hundred. It was only there because I really liked it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That was one of the games I included to potentially be on the top one hundred. It just kept kept getting squeaked out by other games. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I, I haven't played it. it in a while. Oh yeah, that's probably it. I love it. So it's a push your luck bag build bag drawing bag building game. So you draw tiles out of the bag, push your luck until you bust. But the busting isn't as painful as it is for other games. It's got great catch up mechanics. Um, the way that the tiles all interact with each other is super fun. It's hundred percent luck based based on the tiles you draw. But who cares? It's fun. 
Um, it's kind of a longer game for a push your luck style game. You know, it kind of fits in with a nice midweight, bigger game. I tried playing it with my kids. It was a little too much for them. Just the different rules of the different ingredients. It wasn't their thing, which I was disappointed about because I really like it. Yeah, I could see that with the, especially with the ingredients because they can, they can do different things. They're a little bit confusing. I would recommend if you're playing with kids starting off with the the basic, the most basic versions of each of the ingredients because yep. each of the ingredients does um, different things. And then you can pick, there's like two tiles for most of them that are double-sided. So you can have this ingredient do one of four things depending on how you play. And some of them are simpler than other ones. Yeah. So definitely pick the simpler ones to start. I want to play this again, honestly, just because I haven't played it in a while. And I'm curious if it it probably would go higher if I had played it more frequently. I also don't own it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I need to get this one played again. Give it yeah. another go. It's been a bit. That's my number 60, our number 64, The Quacks of Quedlinburg. All right, number 63, a favorite of both of ours. This is The Architects of the West Kingdom. So mm. it's my 62 and Bob's 75. But solid worker placement game where you you start off the game with like 20 workers and you don't lose them you just keep you just play them all out and then but then you can spend turns recalling them back but what makes it fun is that when you put one worker out you get one good if you put another worker in that same spot now you get two goods and then you get put another worker out you get three goods but hold up somebody's like no you're not getting four goods so they're gonna round all your workers up and send them off to jail and then you have to go to jail and pick them up it's no big deal and you have to you you know to do it but it's it just kind of fun because if you don't pay attention to what other people do you're gonna let them take a really awesome turn but you don't want to waste your turn just rounding them up either you know put four workers down you go to jail it <laughs> yeah. uh it provides a lot of tension with how how long do i wait until i say no more because there's one like the mine you get a stone if you have two workers you can get a gold if you have four workers you can get two gold well two gold's a lot you don't want yeah. you don't want them to have it so you're, man. I'll let them put three workers on there. Yeah, because that, I mean, three stone, whatever. I mean, I guess that's But then that's I got to stop what I'm doing, ruin my plan, and go scoop those workers up because I sure as hell ain't letting them get four. The question I have for you is whose responsibility is it to round up those workers? <laughs> the entire table. <laughs> what if it gets passed around all the way so it's it's to you and the next person's going to put their fourth worker down. Do you do that? I mean, or do you say, I would let, it depends on how much I want to round those workers up and what spots I have open. It's cool because the worker placement in this game, like they don't fill up. So you you don't need to go there before somebody else does. So you always have the, these plans. You're like, I'm going to go here and then I'm going to go here. But then you have these area of opportunities where like, oh, wait, I can go there and get all this money now because that's really piled up. Maybe I should do that. Or, oh, I should grab these people and round them up. Because I could, I could do that as well. I don't want them to do. So you kind of have this overall plan, but then things keep interrupting your plan that are even better. So it's it's just fun. It's like a lot of like, I could do this and this is really good, or I can go here and this is really good. It's just fun to play. I, the thing I like the most about it is the scales reverse. You start off with eight million workers that you can send out, and then as you're one of the the end game mechanism is by by building, um, the cathedral. The cathedral. So you're placing the, you're taking workers and you're basically laying them down on the board. So now they don't have access. You don't have access to them. Mm-hmm. So it has this nice. You start off with twenty, then you have nineteen, eighteen, which doesn't like it doesn't seem like that much that you're eliminating it. But you'd be surprised because there's yeah. times where you'll have there's times where you say, all right, I have to, I have to go round up my workers now yeah. because nobody's done it and I need the workers. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, yeah, I, the, I really the like whole this mechanic. Game, yeah. Works really well. Yeah, it's fun. That's our number sixty-three, Architects of the West Kingdom. All right, number sixty-two, also another fan of both of ours. So this is Space Base. This comes in at forty-eight for me and ninety for Bob. I really like this game. Um, it's Machi Coral, but but better. You know, I haven't played Bad Company. I'm looking forward to that one. That one's supposed to be like this. But essentially, you get you roll the dice, and whatever you get, you get to do. Like if you roll. You roll two dice. So you can either take the either one of those numbers or you can add them up. So if you roll a two and a three, you could do a two action and a three action, or you could do a five action. Um, and then everybody else gets to do those actions as well at the top part of their board. So if they've got it built out. So at the beginning of the game, you're not going to have very many built out, so you won't get very much. But as the game goes on, all of a sudden, as people roll 
you know, dice, you're you're kind of getting things almost every single dice roll, which is really fun. I think that's what I like the most about that game is that you're able to accumulate things and this ramp up that the game has where it's you're not doing much, you're not doing much. And then all of a sudden, as you're collecting new ships and then placing the other ships on top of your board to activate on opponent's turns, it just has this nice scaling effect. So you're always engaged during mm-hmm. the turns. Mm-hmm. And the turns aren't that aren't super long either so even when you're not necessarily getting stuff it's it just it's very snappy and quick yeah and you get you get this choice between okay do i want to make myself nice and even and get like a little bit of everything so no matter what gets rolled i get a benefit or do i want to focus on making a few of my actions really really good so i don't get much when other things are rolled but if anybody rolls a nine i'm hitting the jackpot you know, and and that's kind of fun in this game. And, and it, the way the dice rolls play out, you you think seven gets rolled a lot, but it, it doesn't near as much as you think. You kind of want the, the lower dice, like you're guaranteed to get a lower dice number because you're rolling two dice, right? Yes. So, so the way it kind of like you can either focus on your low numbers, which don't pay out near as much, but you're guaranteed to get them every round, or you can focus on the high numbers. Like there's some 12s that give you amazing stuff, but 12s are hardly ever rolled. There's one card if you roll 12 like three times, you just win. Yeah. And I've seen people do it. Okay. You play this. I assume you play this with your son. I play with my daughter. Okay. Has your son, has Max played it? Mm, he has, yeah. Okay. When Max plays it, does he always go for the big payouts? I bet he does. Yeah. 100%. He strikes me as a big payout kind of kid. <laughs> yeah. Yep, he does. <laughs> Where my daughter is more thoughtful and she goes for like a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's I big money all the most. time, man. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. big money all the time for yeah, sure. It's, it's fun to play with a, a higher player count because you get a lot more on your not, not your turns. But I actually just started playing it two player with my daughter and it's, it's fun too because you can focus. Then you want to focus more on what you get. Where when you play with a large number, you know, three out of the four turns are not your turns. So you want to focus on setting your board up so it hits big on your on other people's, your opponent's turn. Yeah. Where on two-player, you focus more on what you roll because it's 50-50. It, it's fun. It's it, I like how it's different for the different player counts. Yeah, it feels uh, almost slightly more unique depending on the player count. Yeah. Yeah, it's a solid game for sure. Yeah, I like it's lighter. I like that. But that's our number 62, Space Base. All right, number 61, we promised we were going to talk about it. You probably didn't realize it was going to come up so soon. That's Cascadia. Ha, nice. <laughs> this comes in at 19 for me. I love this game. It just won Spill the Jar. It did win Spill the Jar over Scout, which was kind of a big controversy. I also love Scout, but I think Cascadia does does deserve to win, and a lot of people don't think so, but I do because I think it's just such a simple, elegant, beautiful game. What's What number is it for me? 157. There you go. That's <laughs> enough, enough said for me. I love this game. So you take a terrain tile and a, you dr- basically you flip over terrain tiles and you draw animal tiles out of the bay and match them up. You like you randomly put one in each with each terrain tile. So on your turn, you have to take the terrain tile and the animal tile that goes with it. And then you have to place the terrain tile on your board and you can place the animal tile on any of the other terrain tiles or the one you just took. Doesn't matter. And then at the end, you score based on you score your largest, um, biggest terrain area. So of each of the terrains, so you you score your largest uh, forest area and your largest wheat area. And then you also score based on where the animals are at. And the, the animals all score differently. In each game, you pick a card that indicates how they score. So each time you play, you can score them different. And so you want to focus on where you put the terrain, but you also need to put the terrain in a certain area to where the animal that you want ends up there and i like the the way you have to manage both of those it's fun um it's some it's a game it so it's fine the thing is for me this game is fine cas uh calico i'm just not a fan like no i'm good cascadia is just for me it's a it's fine that's the best way i can describe it and i know i'm in the minority when it comes to that Mm -hmm. i think i've only ever heard one other reviewer say the exact same thing as me that it's just fine And it just, I don't know, just something about it doesn't necessarily click with me. It just, I understand simplistically how how well it kind of goes. The artwork looks good. Just the way everything kind of flows together, it would would feel like a game I would, I should like. I just, I don't know, it just didn't, it just doesn't, didn't hit with me. It feels a lot like 
Meadow is another prime example. You and I just did not enjoy Meadow. And everyone it's like everyone loves that game. There wasn't anything interesting about Meadow. This is interesting. This is a very puzzly where you have to place your train tiles and the animal tiles. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like not it's, it's everyone Meadow. seems to love it and I just I just whatever. It just didn't it didn't it didn't click with me. Mm. So yeah. Well, that's my number six uh R sixty one, unfortunately. That's our number sixty one, Cascadia. <laughs> Lovely game. It's Definitely right. give it a try, despite what Bob says. You don't have to. There's other games. <laughs> all right. That's going to wrap it up for our list today. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week where we're going to talk about the rest of our top 20. Not the rest of it. Only Man, that would be a 10. long episode. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. the no. next 10 of our top 100. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Send us our questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.